0: Guys, thank you for tuning in to the Sisi Squad True Ashinsha. We are your host for the day. I'm Huddita.
1: And I am Anya, and this podcast endeavours to bring you in touch with different people and start difficult conversations. We hope you find your familiar reflection here.
0: Daniel Tosh, an author, has said, and I quote, a gynecologist is a dentist for the downstairs mouth. Today we have with us a neighborhood-friendly gynecologist whose approachable demeanor is enough to cure you of 90% of your ailments.
1: Extending our warmest greetings to the people tuning in, we are so excited to introduce you all to the to the guest of our today, Dr. Anjali Kumar. Introducing our guest, who is a founder of Maitri, a safe online interactive and educative digital platform that addresses everything related to a woman's health. She is an advanced laparoscopic hysteroscopic surgeon. She is also the director of the Gyne Clinic and currently leading the department at CK Birla Hospital in Gurgaon. With rich expertise of more than 30 years in the field of gynecology and high-risk high risk obstetrics, she was awarded with inspiring gynecologist of the North India by economic times in 2019 we're happy to have you here with us ma'am before, before we get into
0: the nitty gritty before we get into the nitty gritty of the topic dr anjali would you like to tell our listeners what inspired you to become a gynecologist
2: so uh, i always used to feel uh, that women comprise almost 50% of the population. And in case we are able to keep our women healthy, then we can keep the entire population healthy. And uh, very, very honestly speaking, um, in olden times, we never questioned our parents. My parents said, okay, uh, you must take up medicine. And I literally took up medicine like that but later on when i was studying medicine i realized when i came into contact with the kind of problems women used to face and uh, uh, how important was to treat women to keep the families healthy that is what kept me motivated or motivated me to take up this wonderful branch this is a wonderful brand for all of you who want to become doctors as well. Here you get to treat your patients medically, you get to do wonderful surgeries and the rewards are immense in the terms of patient satisfaction, a newborn baby coming on, coming in, good laparoscopy done wonderfully. So the rewards are many and I'm so happy to be a gynecologist.
0: That was so enlightening. Thank you for sharing this anecdote with us, doctor. So now let us move on and start the discussion about the importance of visiting a gynecologist. Well, many women have this question that shall we visit a gynecologist regularly or only if a problem arises? And if regularly, then is there any particular age from which one shall start visiting a gynecologist for regular checkups?
2: So uh, obviously in case there's a problem, you would definitely visit a gynecologist, but I would say on an average, one should start thinking of visiting a gynecologist 21 years age of age onwards. Uh, whether you're sexually active or not sexually active, whether you're planning to become sexually active, uh, this is the time which, uh, in which you can discuss with your gynecologist as to um, about your periods, about how to keep yourself healthy, what kind of vaccinations you should uh, take, and uh, you know, talking to your gynecologist about a pap smear, or uh, by then actually we would have assumed that your parents would have taken you to a doctor for the HPV vaccination earlier. So uh, on an average, 21 years is a reasonable time to go to a gynecologist. And before that, obviously, in case you have a problem, you would definitely visit a gynecologist.
1: Okay. So uh, ma'am, as you talked about pap smear test, so would you like to tell our listeners what a pap smear test is and how often should one go under it? Okay. So pap smear
2: is one of the very important tests which every woman must be aware of and must get it done regularly. So pap smear is a test by which which we can pick up abnormal cells in the cervix. So what is cervix? Cervix is the mouth of uterus. So the cancer in the cervix is uh, one of the very commonest cancers in a woman's body. And the best part is that this cancer is a preventable cancer. Not many cancers in the human body are actually preventable. So now the research says that the cervical cancer happens because of a virus called human papilloma virus, which is HPV. But that virus triggers certain precancerous changes in the cervix which take almost eight to 10 years to completely develop into cancer, which means that we have a window of almost eight to 10 years by which we can pick up those women who are likely to develop cancer. So by doing this pap test, we can pick up those abnormal cells in the cervix before they have actually turned into cancer. We can even check the presence of HPV. So this test is to be done every three years on Uh, regularly and we recommend this to be started at 21 years of age and uh, ideally one must do it till 65 years of age and uh, this is something whether you're sexually active or not sexually active this must be done regularly every three years and it's a very simple test it's not painful doesn't cost much it barely takes hardly few seconds to do that test.
0: So doctor, you uh, mentioned about the HPV vaccines. So can you please elucidate about the importance of getting them considering the general populace, mistrust or hesitation on this?
2: Yes, so um, it's actually funny when we don't have a vaccine, people say, oh, why don't we have a vaccine? And when we have a vaccine, we have 1000 questions on that. So uh, HPV vaccine is a vaccine which has a potential to prevent cancers, not only genital cancers, even cancers of the head, neck and throat as well. These cancers can, all these vaccines can also prevent the genital warts. Now genital warts are very, Uh, itchy, dirty-looking bumps which happen in the vaginal area, they can be very, very difficult to handle. So more important is that HPV can prevent cancers and uh, now we have a vaccine available and uh, the vaccine is recommended to be taken from nine years onwards and by all uh, scientific bodies, it is said that the vaccine should definitely be offered between nine to 26 years of age. So till about 15 years of age, like nine to 14 years before a woman, before a girl complete turns 15 years of age, we actually have to give only two doses. From 15 to 26 years of age, we have to give three doses. And this vaccine can potentially prevent almost 90% of the cancers which are caused by HPV. And in case we combine it with the pap testing also, the cervical cancer can be prevented 100%. I also want to tell your audience that India accounts for 25% cases of cervical cancer in the whole world. We are a tiny country, but still we produce 25% cases of cervical cancer. This is because in our country, we are not proactive or preventive in our approach to health. cancer So uh, remember, this is one of the very few cancers for which we know a cause and a cause is preventable by doing a regular pap test and by taking an HPV vaccine so all of you please take the vaccine
0: um can women you... or uh, who is or who has crossed the age limit can also ma'am. take this vaccine but is not going through that uh, doesn't have the cancer but can they take vaccine for prevention is there any chance that they can you know prevent that thing happening
2: So the logic here is, since HPV is a virus which is spread sexually, so in case a woman has not taken the vaccine till 26 years of age, we assume that probably she might have been exposed to HPV earlier. So the benefit of getting an HPV vaccination might not be there. But in case there's a woman who says that I'm not sexually active and she is 27 years old, let's say, then Absolutely. She's a good good candidate for taking the vaccine. After 45 years of age, you know, all bodies, scientific bodies say that now there is no point. So 26 to 45 years age, you can be given a vaccine provided you discuss with your doctor your medical history and the doctor can advise you accordingly.
1: Okay. And uh, like you talked about, uh, the age being nine to like 26. So like it it is purely preventive vaccine. We don't have to like uh, get a checkup or something like do we have it or it's just purely preventive. uh, Yes. So
2: the HPV spreads by a sexual route and generally by nine years, we do not think that the child would have been sexually active. Even later on, let's say a woman is 20 years old and she is sexually active. Still, the vaccine should be offered because she might not be, might, wouldn't have been exposed to some some HPV strains, which this vaccine is giving protection against, or she might not have been exposed to HPV at all. So she must be given a vaccine. And nowadays we have a vaccine, which is a nanovalent vaccine. So it protects against nine types of HPV and out of many of them are important cancer causing uh, viruses. So, HPV is actually known by numbers one, two, three, four. So, it doesn't have names, it has numbers. So, the nanovalent vaccine works in a, against many uh, cancer causing uh, HPVs and also the genital warts causing HPVs.
1: Okay. Thank you, ma'am, for the insight on this topic. It was very like a new topic, and we need awareness on these topics. So, I'm sure our listeners also learned a lot. So now the further topic that we would like to explore is the topic of safe sex and contraception. So the first question I would like to ask you is what are the are the all kinds of different types of contraceptives that are available in the market? Like half of us are not even aware of some of the contraceptives that, uh, that are available. So would you shed, shed light on that?
2: So there are various kinds of contraceptive methods which are available, so much so that we have multiple books written on contraception only. Had it been such a simple topic, wherein I'm uh, supposed to describe all contraceptives in five minutes or maybe two minutes, it's very difficult. And another thing which I want to tell you is that there is nothing called the perfect or the best contraceptive. The day that gets invented, that person is going to get a Nobel Prize, maybe even a bigger prize than that. So there is nothing known as the best or a perfect contraceptive. We prescribe a particular contraceptive method to a person depending upon her age, her medical history, and her requirements. Uh, there are a few things which I would want to tell you that there's a basic method which is known as that following the uh, safe day method, you know, where a couple avoids having a sexual contact on the uh, fertile days of the cycle, but for all of you, you must know that there is nothing called as a safe day. I once again repeat, there is nothing called as a perfectly safe days. All days are unsafe. There are few days which are relatively, uh, you know, better safe. While there are some which are absolutely unsafe. But a woman can get cons- can get pregnant even by having an intercourse on day five of the period, or maybe even just before her periods. So remember, there's nothing called safe days. So uh, that's one method which people have been using for from ages, but it's not a great method in case you're very sure that you don't want to become pregnant. Then of course, the second method is using a barrier method. So barrier method is basically using a condom. It could be a male condom. It could be a female condom. Uh, Male condoms are more popular. Female condoms are not very popular. They're a little more cumbersome to use. But the advantage there is that you have a better control in your hand. But whatever the availability and the choice of the couple could be, condoms are very good. If they are used properly, they can prevent a pregnancy almost up to 95% if they're used correctly. And the biggest advantage which they offer is that they prevent the couple against sexually transmitted infections. So even if somebody is using some other method, it's important to use an added barrier method also. Then we have uh, contraceptive pills. Now oral contraceptive pills also come in various uh, types. Uh, If I'm not wrong, probably we have more than 100 types of contraceptive pills available today. They have different combinations of different Uh, you know, different combinations of two hormones, which are estrogen and progesterone. And uh, what is the safe or the best contraceptive pill for me? You should not decide based on what your friend tells you or what your neighborhood chemist tells you. For this, it's very, very important that you must go to a gynecologist, talk to her, Tell them about your history. You know, if you have a history of diabetes, high blood pressure, gallstones, any cancers in your family, if you smoke, then the doctor pen can prescribe you what is the right pill for you. Then we have a method which is known as IUD, which is the intrauterine device. It's a small, tiny device which we put inside the uterus. And uh, once again, this gives a control in a woman's hand like the pill or the IUD, the control is in a woman's But the pill and the IUD do not give you protection against the sexually transmitted infections. Then we have a lot of other options which are not very popular, though, at least in our country. We have vaginal rings, we have implants, uh, we have uh, things like, which is known as, permicidal foams. So... But the most common ones are using a value method or pill and an IUT. and then of course we have method like the uh, permanent method of contraception which means if a couple has completed her family they already have children and now they are very sure that they don't want any children then uh, we can go for the permanent method of sterilization also i hope you know, I have been able to compile
0: something in these two minutes. Otherwise, such a vast thing to talk about. Definitely, you did uh, just a great job by telling us everything in such a short time. So you mentioned about IUDs right now. And Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, there is a myth that people who use uh, these IUDs face problem in their menstrual cycle. So is there anything like that you could tell us?
2: So you need to understand that IUD is a foreign body, which we are putting inside a woman's uterus. So there are some women who do not accept this IUD very well. So I would say about 5 to 10% women complain of heavy or painful period. But usually within two or three months, the body sort of gets acclimatized to the IUD and People are very comfortable but in case you are not comfortable you can definitely talk to your doctor the doctor can give you some medicines and if after all this the iud is not suiting you we can remove it also it's not like a permanent method it's very easy to put it and very easy to remove also nowadays we have hormonal iud's also which we put for those women who have a history of heavy or painful periods So this is known as LNG device, leonorgestrel device. So uh, that's also an option.
1: Thank you, ma'am, for that answer. And you also talked about how uh, some contraception methods help us from, uh, prevent us from sexually transmitted diseases. So how how often should one get tested for those sexually transmitted diseases?
2: Now, that's a very difficult question to answer. Number one, I think that prevention of sexually transmitted infection starts from the time when you become sexually active or when you are actually thinking of becoming sexually active. The discussion should start from there. You should be very sure of your partner. You should have a clear communication or discussion between each other and you should be very open and honest about your sexual history with each other. After that, you should be talking about the need of using a barrier method of contraception uh, from both the sides. You know, in case you feel that your uh, male partner is not able to use, then a female should have a choice of using even a female condom. So after that, in case you feel that you're regularly uh, sexually active, or maybe if there's a chance where an unprotected sex happened and you are not very sure about your partner's history then definitely sexually uh, transmitted infection screening, disease STD screening has to happen. So I would say in case you are not sure you had an unprotected act, immediately go to a doctor, get yourself examined. Uh, The doctor might like to examine you uh, there, might like to take a swab and might advise you testings for later on. By the way, there are certain STDs which get which can get manifested later on. For example, an HPV, or an example, maybe hepatitis, maybe HIV, maybe even a herpes. So the STDs do not manifest at that point of time. That's why I said the preventing aspect of STDs is more important than screening for the STDs. Mm -hmm.
0: ma'am uh, another thing you mentioned the term hormonal birth control so that is very clear that there are two types of birth control today like non-hormonal and hormonal so which one is better for the female's health so yes we have uh, see it's very easy to say
2: hormonal or non-hormonal or hormonal is bad or non-hormonal is not bad by the way uh, the non-hormonal pills also contain certain chemicals which uh, interfere with the pregnancy. The hormonal contraceptive methods, they have better success rates, which means that failure rates are much lesser as compared to the so-called non-hormonal pill. So uh, uh, but yes, there is a class of or a group of people who do not tolerate the uh, hormonal pills very well. Like with the hormonal pills, we have now various types of pills which have lesser amounts of estrogen or progesterone. So we give those pills to those people who have nausea, vomiting, or have some other histories. But in case a woman is not able to tolerate even that, then we can put them on a non-hormonal pill. So non-hormonal pills are not that popular and probably they have little more failure rates as compared to a routine hormonal pills and by the way the routine hormonal pills are not bad I don't know how this myth has started that hormones are bad hormones are just chemicals in the body which are powerful chemicals and they can have powerful effects on the body but if you misuse a particular pill or maybe a particular hormone then that can cause Habit, but in case you're taking it under supervision, in case uh, you have been screened for any contraindications, then yes, a pill can be wonderful. I mean, across the whole world, the pill has act pill was actually a medical innovation which has changed the lives of women. It has given the control of their lives to them. Till then, they have they were dependent on their partners using a contraception. Just imagine how wonderful and how empowering is that.
0: Definitely
1: yes, mom. definitely. Mom. Thank you so much for that uh, very helpful answer. And uh, there is one thing that happens to a lot of people. I think even uh, personally, I sometimes also feel that way. That uh, we hesitate visiting a gynecologist because we feel that their boundaries might get violated, or you know what? What's on your take? Uh, what's your take on that? Like somehow people feel hesitant visiting uh, a gynecologist.
2: No, I did not get this question properly. Whose boundaries will be violated, the gynecologist or the no, 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 no,
1: no, the patient, the patients, <laughs> the patients.
2: So, uh, I really feel here the communication has to happen from both the ends very well. There are times when people come to us and they're not willing to give us the right information. Obviously, there, you know, my ability to help that person also becomes uh, very constricted. So the communication has to be good from both the ends. And you need to understand that gynecologists are not scary people, they're not there to judge you, or uh, it's nothing like this. For me, when a patient comes to me, at least. Uh, that's the last thought which comes to my mind. We are there to help them. And uh, uh, the need to have trust from both the sides is very, very important. You need to trust a gynecologist and the gynecologist needs to trust the patient that the patient is telling me the right information. I mean, uh, yes. there have been uh, cases wherein uh, you might not uh, put it in the final, this thing uh or might not might delete it but this was a little very funny when i asked the patient that uh, she has missed her period are you sexually active she said no i'm not sexually active okay let's get a scan done we got a scan done and we saw three months pregnancy there and now how do we help you (laughs) you know if you expect something from the doctor you need to be open at your end also so yes, if you want to keep this, fine. If you do not, it's okay. <laughs> no, I, I asked this
1: question uh, because somewhat I heard these experiences on some YouTube videos that people think that the gynecologists uh, judge them. But you said that, you know, you're there to help us and we need to trust more. Uh,
2: I mean, I never ask a patient if you're married or not. I always ask, yes, of course, if you're sexually active or not, because that information, uh, means a lot of stuff for me when I need to look at a patient from, uh, you know, different things in mind. So that trust and that communication has to happen from both the sides. Yes, of course, there could be some people, like I said, this patient who told me, I mean, I was uh, aghast, oh, you know, how do I help her? The same could be there from the other side also. So I think uh, as a patient and as doctors, probably everyone has to Start trusting each other more, and then only probably we'll be able to help each other.
0: There has been a term which has been which is being used quite a lot. Uh, a lot these days, which is libido. So, is that same as sexual arousal? And how does our hormones influence that?
2: Okay. So, libido means actually the sexual desire your interest and uh, desire to be sexually active with someone while sexual arousal is when you are getting into the sexual act it's your physiological response which means that you know you feel uh, suddenly energetic there's warmth in the body and uh, your heart gets pounding you your whole body is flushed up It's your physiological body's response. That's sexual arousal. The libido or the sexual desire is, yes, of course, the hormones affect it. Uh, But most of the times, the sexual desire or the libido gets affected by stress, fatigue, and lack of communication. And for, you know, these days, everybody wants to blame the hormones for every damn problem in the, life but in case somebody's tired and he's coming back home at 12 o'clock the last thing he would want to have is to have sex probably he would just want a good plate of food and good bed to sleep so it's the fatigue it's the tiredness the stress the lack of communication and yes of course there are certain medical reasons also which lead to decrease libido if somebody is um, you know is diabetic, for example, somebody who's having PCOD, somebody who's having multiple sclerosis or is on certain kind of drugs, then they have little lesser, uh, you know, desire. Similarly, the sexual arousal also, in by and large, depends upon these factors than, per se the hormones. I have yet not come across a woman where the hormones are absent or totally not working. You no, know, it doesn't happen like that
1: okay so ma'am it was lovely uh like talking to you it was very helpful we would like to like ask you what do you have a uh, thing a remark for our listeners do you have any advice for them for the youngsters uh-huh. basically our listeners are like young like us hmm. so, anything advice <laughs>
2: okay so uh So remember, your body is a gift to you. And you must learn to look after it, whichever way. Uh, You know, whether looking after your physical health, mental health, or sexual health. And as a doctor who is being in this field for now more than 33 years precisely, I have come to realize that health is very simple. It is not difficult to achieve by just taking few basic precautions. You just have to eat healthy, you have to move a lot, you have to have less stress, be always happy and look after yourself. You don't need any fancy medicines, any fancy contraceptive methods, any fancy tests or anything. If you have these basics right, in all probability, things do not go wrong. And yes, for others, we are there.
0: It would be great if you could tell us more about Maitri Women and your YouTube channel and socials.
2: Okay, so uh, mm, I am a full-time gynecologist, a surgeon, uh, an obstetrician. But about uh, one and a half years back, we started a platform whereby we thought that we should be able to give an information which is factually and medically correct and trustworthy. Because as a doctor, I always used to feel that people come with all kinds of varied uh, frivolous and funny informations which they have derived from the internet. And uh, on the internet, we have all kind of uh, self-proclaimed coaches. Somebody's a fitness coach, somebody's a diet coach, somebody's a sexual coach, and somebody this and that. And I used to wonder, you know, these are the people who have great followings, and people blindly trust them. How come we do not have a a space whereby people are very sure of the kind of information which is then delivered to them. So with that thought in mind, we started this platform. Initially, we started with a YouTube channel. And uh, initially we just thought that probably we'll just have two, three videos and that will be the end of it. But then people's comment and people trust kept us going. And today we are almost close to half a million subscribers. And now with this many subscribers, our responsibility has actually become more. We are in the process of launching a website. We'll be launching Pan India clinics and a lot more there. can be sure of whatever information which is coming your way is absolutely correct. So please do follow us on our YouTube channel, our Instagram handle our uh, Facebook, Twitter, and soon our website. and uh, you can let us know of what you would want to uh, want us to talk about. We regularly talk about uh, all the topics which concern women's health, whether it is a young girl. So we say actually 16 to 60. So from the menstruation issues to pregnancy, to child care, to menopause and everything all in between also, we'll talk about everything and anything about women's health. So
1: please do follow us. Sure, ma'am. And congratulations on your half a million followers. And you're doing a very noble job. I mean, uh, the thinking that you're going with that influencers should not uh, provide like any misinformation it's very helpful and it helps us also we watch your youtube videos and we will urge our listeners they are they'll definitely be very interested now after talking to you that and at the end uh, it helped us a lot and you know our listeners must be very uh, very uh, happy to be hearing this and because there are these are the most common questions that we
0: uh, go mm. with
1: and you, you have provided us the best things. And I hope people who are looking for a sign to visit the gynecologist and take the charge of their own health and wellness find this podcast very useful.
0: I sincerely, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. We were only watching your videos on Maitri Women's YouTube channel until yesterday. And today we got this splendid opportunity to interact with you on such an important topic. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Anjali. Mm-hmm.
2: It was my pleasure to talking to all young people.
1: (laughs) You were listening to The CC Squad, an initiative by Girl Up Shisha. Thank you for lending us your time.
0: Find new episode every 15 days. We'll see you next. This was our time. Thank you.